Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American Age podcast. This is C. Travis Webb, editor of the American Age, and I'm speaking to Seth Rodney and Stephen Fullwood. Gentlemen. Hey, hey, how you doing? I'm Seth Rodney. I'm an editor at Hyperallergic Blogazine, and I have a PhD in museum studies, and I'm speaking to you from the Boogie Down Bronx. Hi, I'm Stephen G. Fullwood. Welcome. Um, I am the co-founder of the Nomadic Archivist Project, a project to help individuals, organizations, and institutions identify and preserve their archives. And I will be at the 27th Annual Association of Black Cultural Centers, which is meeting at Rutgers University this weekend. And I'll be hosting the film uh, Lorraine Hansberry, Sighted Eyes and Feeling Heart. If you're there Saturday morning, please come and see me. Nice. That's exciting. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, that's very exciting. Yeah, thank you. Um, And I'm speaking to you from the OC in Southern California. Uh, And just as a reminder to our listeners, uh, we try to practice a form of intellectual intimacy, which is uh, creating the space for us to air out some ideas and agree and disagree and and hear one another and actually, most importantly, learn something Mm -hmm. uh, from one another and about ourselves. Today's topic uh, is media sources. So uh, in in media in the broadest sense of the term, meaning Mm -hmm. how do you – where do you go for the information that you – get? Uh, how do you process it? Uh, how often? Uh, what sort of skepticism and points of view do you bring to bear on media consumption? You know, how often do you read across the aisles? Um, and obviously, we, the, the topic is of the moment. Uh, we are not, we're specifically not talking about the election, which uh, I think is, is probably a pretty good call because you're going to be saturated with election mm-hmm. coverage. Jesus. Um, uh, and uh, but I think it's important to talk about uh, how we figure out what's going on in the world. How do we become educated about what's going on in the world? So I don't know, Seth, Stephen, one of you guys want to take us in? Yeah. Um, Stephen, you want to go? Sure. Why not? Um, the reason. So initially I was thinking about how you get your information. So it was a little broader than media studies. I mean, um, from the media. Right. But I think it's it's still very useful because the. um yeah, broadly. I, was on the, I actually, I actually mean it broadly. Yeah, I mean as yeah. broad as you want to go with it. Yeah. And so I was thinking, I was on the subway recently, and I think you've all experienced, you've both experienced this, and some of our listeners have as well. Going from um, analog to digital in mm. terms of seeing what people actually read, mm-hmm. whether reading the newspaper, reading books, mm. and so forth. Um, and so I'm on the train the other day, and I'm reading an actual mm. physical book, and I'm looking around, and I was like, okay, well, how? What are people reading? I see right. people on their phones, but they could be listening to something. They could be listening to something and reading. Right. They could be looking, listening to the Times or the dailies and so forth. So I was right. kind of intrigued. I was wondering how you guys, um, where you get your information, how do you become informed about today's topics? And, and then the sort of like supplemental reading, because Travis, mm. you're, I mean, stuff you're teaching. Travis, you have a lot of things going on. Um, I'm constantly reading something, and I, and I don't read what I should read. I read what I want to read. And mm-hmm. what I mean by that is that sometimes the things that I'm supposed to be focusing on, I'm like, oh, no, I'd just rather read this biography or right. this book mm-hmm. of poetry because I need to be edified. Right. So I wanted to know, um, and just in short, how I get my news in terms of media, I look at the New York Times, the New Yorker, um, some of the broadcasts of CNN, CNBC, Fox News. Um, and then I sometimes I'm I can get into a hole because I need to find out about a particular 
person or event and I'm trying to verify sources. And, right. And then there are times where I'm just listening to criticism um, online. So um, Democracy Now! and I'm listening to the ways in which they render the news versus other sources. And sometimes I do conspiracy theories because I'm curious about the fringes mm-hmm. and how people become radicalized by misinformation. Mm-hmm. Lots and lots and lots of misinformation. You mean like the, the um, serial bomber? Yeah, yeah. The serial bomber, right. Mueller, um, the conspiracy to um, get Mueller, you know, to have some, to hire yeah, people to women. say that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah so, yeah, and yeah. how that was really like immediately uh, imploded, but how powerful it is, information, you know, how powerful it is yeah. that we, um, when we ingest it, think about it. And also when we don't check it and, and don't really think about what our assumptions are about things. So you guys are yeah. both thinkers. And so I wanted to know how you yeah. manage this barrage of information coming at you daily, you know? Can, can I answer that first? Please, please <laughs> okay. do. Please okay, so. great. So I had, since last week, been had this in the back of my mind. Um, and I thought the best way to begin to answer the question is to actually mm-hmm. go to Chrome, which is the browser where I keep my stuff essentially for the work I do for hyperallergic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I keep my I keep one browser for personal stuff, one browser for quote unquote work. Um, okay. I say quote unquote because it's not just hyper stuff; it's also news stuff. Because I have this habit: every morning I wake up, I have breakfast, and as I am eating breakfast, I have in my kitchen slash dining room uh, a little stand with my laptop on it, and I open mm-hmm. up my laptop and go to Chrome. And I have news sources that I've essentially, well, I don't, I don't want to be, well, I, okay, I'll be pretentious. I've curated a certain <laughs> series of news, <laughs> news sources for this, uh, 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 for this browser. So here they are in the mm-hmm. order from top to bottom. And there are a lot of them. So hold on. Google News. Uh, and this is sort of order of importance, but I, I'll explain that a little bit better in a moment. Google News, The Guardian, Washington Post, New York Times, Jezebel, The Atlantic, The Art Newspaper, Art News, mm-hmm. Daily Plinth, Slate, Salon, The Intercept, Pointer, with a Y-N, mm-hmm. Clyde Fitch Report, City Lab, TheRumpus.net, Guernica, Magazine of Global Art and Politics, The, Ameri- mm-hmm. the American Age, huh. Color Lines, mm-hmm. The Gothamist, uh, Public Domain Review, Wear Your Voice Homepage, and then NPR, HuffPost, and la, la, la. Um, mm-hmm. That's pretty much it. I want to say I, I, they have, they're in this particular order because aside from Google News, these are the ones, these are the, uh, this is sort of, sort of order of news sources that I most respect. Okay. I most respect The Guardian. I most respect The Washington Post. I think The New York Times in the mm-hmm. last couple of years has become ridiculous, especially the op-ed page. I'm just dis- uh, I'm just regularly dis- disgusted. This will be a good one for us to, to disagree about, but but let's okay. let's finish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, but, let's and, finish. Then, <laughs> and then and then well, I want to say a couple more things. One, Google News is at the top because ever since Tweety Amin was in, was elected, I've had a really hard time reading the news. I've had to like mm. kind of ease my way into the day, and the only way I can mm. do that is with the relatively anodyne Google News because Google News just gives you sort of like. Everything yeah. and they do it from like you know these sort of blah sources like Politico or um, yeah, yeah. Huff Post or CNN. Um, so it just it's 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 the easiest way that I can begin the drudgery 
of slogging through okay. um, what this admin- mm. what this petty-ass evil Very administration petty. has done lately. That, I, I want to I say one more thing about um, um, sources. Stephen, like you, I used to um, be, be conscientious about going to right-wing sources and just checking out what mm-hmm. they were what they were saying about certain topics mm-hmm. like i remember mm-hmm. during the obama administration when something would come up i said okay let me go to laura ingraham's page let me go to sean hannity yes. let me go to um to um rush limbaugh let me go to these um uh, tucker call whoever um mm-hmm. i shouldn't say that that's that, that's that's silly it's not whoever it's the sort of right-wing pundits names that every okay. that's on everybody's lips mm-hmm to right. see how they were thinking about a particular issue, to see how ridiculous they, how ridiculous the lengths they would go through to, in order to make themselves seem rational in the moment when they're taking an obviously mm, rational right, position. Right, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Now I I can't do it because I don't have the emotional bandwidth anymore. I just don't. So there's I, that. I wonder. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because at times it's really insulting. Yeah, and just ridiculous and painful. It's painful that yeah, it's just the painful. misinformation. Yeah. Travis, you were about to say something. Yeah, no, I was just I was just listening. So I the uh, before I before I I give my rundown. Uh, why pol- why is Politico uh, 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 in such low esteem in your eyes? <laughs> because they do mostly, and it's good, great question. They do mostly horse race reporting when it comes mm. to like. Here's this policy that just came down, or here's what uh, might happen with Nancy Pelosi, or here's what might happen when this uh, mm-hmm. law is up for mm-hmm. debate. It's always, well, these people are trying to do this sort of machination, and these folks over here are, are arguing that blah, blah, blah. It's so, always horse race. Like, who's in okay, first? So, who's in, okay, and, so... Yeah. So like a gossip page version. I mean, a, a more sophisticated sort of gossip yes. page version of yes. policy. Yeah, so, which I, so which I, I would, despise. Okay, so <laughs> I have I have a, a specific response to that, which I think that's probably a fairly um, a faithful uh, read of what Politico is doing. I mean, there's a lot of also just r- reporting about you know sort of the day's events in politics, right? But mm-hmm. here's here's why I would defend that because okay. that is how a lot of politics get done. And mm. the people, the mm-hmm. people that are on the periphery of political communities, such as we are, mm-hmm. often read politics through an ideological lens that is much uh, less uh, faithful for those in the political arena. Right. Meaning that it's sort of a you know we want to win us versus them get on top. I, the, I, an illustration of this would be um, whatever his what's Boris the the British politician uh, the, Yeltsin? No, not uh, <laughs> Yeltsin. Um, the 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 he's uh, really he was part of the Brexit campaign. He's always disheveled. Um, oh oh oh, sorry, right? You said British, I and mean, then I heard Russian for some reason. Yeah, no, he used to be the um, mayor of London, and then he got yeah, into the um, Conservative I, cabinet um, is, under Theresa May. His name's um, um, Becker. No, um, this is embarrassing. I can't remember his name. Yeah, that's the idiot uh, who went to school with Cameron. Um, yeah, David so, Cameron, so um, yeah, so anyway, the, mm-hmm. the one of the comments about Brexit, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and the, those that were for and remain was that this was uh, essentially a competition between competing social circles from Eton. 
Right. And that mm. and that you had people that sort of, well, we're going to one up each other. We're, you know, we'll, we'll show you kind of thing. Right. We're going to we're going to beat you on the pitch. You know, right. Right. now let's mm. go have a pint kind of thing. Right. Um, and, and, and I have to say that, you know, I I tend to read politics. I tend to read most things through my own experience of being a human being and interacting with other human beings. I don't think there's anything that separates us too significantly from one another, depending on even, you know, regardless of what job we have. Mm -hmm. And so I buy that. I buy that when Mitch McConnell came out in 2008 and said, we are going to make sure that this is a one-term president. Right. That that wasn't ideological. That was, we just got beat. I'm going to beat you. Now, (laughs) Now, it doesn't mean that I am not fervently opposed to what that ideology represents. I am. But I think that the the verve with which these people combat one another in the political arena mm-hmm. is much deeper than ideological. I think it's emotive. And and so for so to get back to our topic, Politico, I think, does a pretty good job of kind of sussing that out, like sort of the personalities and kind of the elbowing and mm-hmm. much the way the society page may have done, you know, in the 70s and 80s, 60s, kind of to tell you what's going on with, you know, prominent New York families. Mm-hmm. I think Politico serves a purpose. Now, you may not have a taste for it, which I totally understand, um, mm-hmm. but I do think it serves a valuable function. And I'll, I'll, a perfect example is on Politico yesterday, uh, basically, the the reporters there have sniffed out that there has been a significant amount of movement around the Mueller investigation in the midterms, mm-hmm. that right. a number of court actions have actually taken place, and that the president has, in fact, been subpoenaed, and that mm. that this is all taking place under wraps right now, and that the, that the administration has lost the initial play and looks like they're going to lose on appeal. And that it's going to be like right after the midterms is going to get kicked up very high, very fast. Mm. Now, that came out of Politico. And Mm. I think because, again, this sort of personal jockeying is a lot about what drives Washington politics and thereby the rest of us. So after the 2016 election, this is a relatively new thing for me. I read through a much more rigid ideological lens prior to Trump's election. Mm -hmm. I felt very sure about the trajectory of Western civilization. Mm. I felt, you Mm. know, I sort of had an an intellectual swagger, you know, about Obama and fading Mm -hmm. Republican ideologies or whatever. And then history kicked me in the teeth Mm -hmm. and said, no, Mm. no, 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 no. You don't know what the trajectory of Western civilization is. So I started reading more widely then. So I couldn't okay. read Fox before that. So I'm like, I'm the flip of Seth. So Seth used to do that. I would le- I would be like, that's a waste of time. Why would I read that nonsense? Like picking mm. up the National Enquirer. Why would I do that? <laughs> um, and after the election, now I read it much more judiciously. Both the Wall Street mm-hmm. Journal, mm-hmm. both Fox News, mm. um, occasionally even Breitbart. Um, that's a tough yeah. one for me, but, uh, mostly just because I do feel like it's just a massive waste of time. But and and so that's why I I'm much more generous with the New York Times because uh, I feel like they're trying to get a handle on the moment 
as much as that mm-hmm. may irritate us. And I think that I feel like they're committed to that. So anyway, I had a long soliloquy, so <laughs> someone else jump in. <laughs> I was thinking about the New York Times briefly and thinking about how late they are with a lot of cultural things. Mm-hmm. So something will be happening for five, ten years, and then the Times will do a big piece on it mm-hmm. in their living section. And so... Um, but I actually like the Times overall. I just won't pay for it. So I don't know, a few mu- <laughs> only a few articles per month and then maybe finding a paper out on the street somewhere. But, but I also know that reporting now is about what's happened in other publications. Right. So they're constantly referring to other publications. That seems to be more on the rise. And so when you mentioned earlier on Very about much, Politico, yeah. definitely I was hearing about, and I was watching the news, about sources say that da, 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 according to Politico, according to this, um, that these indictments are coming, not indictments, but these um, subpoenas are coming down and that there's so much more movement behind the scenes, that they've interviewed Stephen Bannon again and that they're just lining up the ducks and waiting for- 50 hours, 50 hours so far. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Th- uh, that's uh, Paul Manafort has been Ma- Manafort. for 50 hours at this point. And so that's really, it's- I the racehorse part I understand, Seth. I'm. I think you put it really well, Travis. In terms of the folks who are not inside politics, we're just we're largely observers, and this does help me kind of try to think more broadly about broadly more broadly than I want to win, and that these people need to be, <laughs> you know, voted mm-hmm. out of office. I'm trying mm-hmm. to think larger. Because I, I think the other, I think I told you guys the other day, I may not have said it online um, or on the broadcast, that I was exhausted with my feelings that Mueller was going to be the hero mm. and that everything would change. Mm. And then and I couldn't sleep and I was thinking, I just need some other way to think about this. Mm-hmm. And I know that I had pretty much put all my ducks, I mean, all my eggs in that basket. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and it was largely because of the news, but it's largely because of the exhaustion and the level of um, discourse politically, but also on the streets and opening up your email browser and what listening, I mean, open up your browser and listening to the next thing that just recently happened in the administration Mm -hmm. and Sarah Sanders um, defending, you know, the indefensible, Mm -hmm. you know, these things are exhausting on the soul. And I don't know how people, um, and I'm sure I I don't know if you guys know how I just get really, um, constipated and really tired mm. and exhausted and, and feel like I need to take news breaks mm-hmm. um, to, to be present with people because they're so um, denigrating and so... Um, just disheartening. disheartening. It's very disheartening. Very yeah. painful. Yeah, yeah definitely painful. So, so I want to ask a question, though, because you both seem to be on um, the same page vis-a-vis the worth of Politico's kind of reporting. And I'm certainly not. <laughs> Um, <laughs> the question is, what does that do for us? Like, okay, so you get, so you're giving me, okay, they've got access to the back room, right? So they're showing me how like the the players are playing against each other, and they're bringing out the information before they would come from other sources. What does that do for me, except for giving get me the information a little bit earlier? Fair enough. The I mean, as mm. far as the timing goes, Boris Johnson was is his name. Thank you. Yeah, right, 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 Boris right, Johnson. Yeah, so. mm-hmm. uh, I would say it helps for me. It helps. It do, it accomplishes actually two things. It tamps down my ideological indignation and clarifies mm. what our enemy is. And, okay. And I, and I believe that the enemy is an unrefined human nature. 
And, oh, and, okay. and so and I think that I think that to live amongst so many strangers, to live amongst people of of such diverse backgrounds and diverse origins, that it takes a tremendous feat of the imagination that does not come altogether naturally to us. Now, it comes to some mm-hmm. of us more easily than others based on education, based on temperament. But the the us versus them mentality, right, is is a natural one, right? It's it's the mm-hmm. go- it's the backroom gossip. It's the backbiting. It's like, oh, can you believe he like did that? Can you believe she wore that? Like, it's the way we bond with one another, very very reflexively. I mean, we do you and we all do. I mean, we're friends. We do that. Like, we feel. Go- I'm with you. Like, Seth earlier in the conversation, you made like a a a, a, a throat cutting motion, and I was with you when you <laughs> did that. I was like, yes, I feel that. And and you and I, <laughs> we we have an emotional connection because of that. And mm-hmm. that emotional connection and its source and potency, if left unchecked, will tear these large-scale communities apart. It will tear the country apart. And so the enemy, just like in Buddhism, the enemy is our own limitations, our own inadequacies. And so I... I see someone like Mitch McConnell as, mm-hmm. you know, honestly, as like an adolescent that needs to be educated. Ooh. And I and I know I know that that sounds I know that sounds incredibly. Uh, I mean, that was Obama's thought too. Super that was serious. that was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that yeah. was and and that was what Obama was. Uh, uh, that's what Obama was often criticized for. Right. Here's the mm-hmm. thing. So I, I I think that I I am with oh I am with uh, former President Obama in that viewpoint. I just think that sometimes in order to teach the teenager, you need to like take them out back and whip them. So I don't mean literally, right? I don't mean like literally. I'm not, I've never like <laughs> whipped. I've never whipped my son. But but I'm saying mm-hmm. that at that level. You you have to like you have to combat them at that level. I'm sorry. Go ahead, sir. Well, well, I just want to say to your point about taking the person out back and essentially demonstrating that their power is not equal to yours, which is what I think you're doing. Yeah, um, sure. Is yeah, yeah, is yeah, actually yeah. is actually not a wrong strategy. And here's the anecdote: Just last night, I was watching The Americans, and long story very short. Um, the series is about a, uh, a couple of spies, um, who Russian spies who infiltrate um, the U.S. and are very mm-hmm. close to an FBI agent, and they do a lot of things that are that are very strategic for Russia in the late, I think it's late seventies, early seventies, some somewhere in the seventies. Anyway, their daughter's becoming a spy, and there's a point at which the daughter because she's being trained by her mother, has these set of skills and she goes to a bar and some guys start to basically fuck with her and she physically puts them in their place. She basically mm-hmm. chops one guy up, knees him in the groin, other guy comes back at comes after her and she just snap like snaps his nose into, right, with a mm-hmm. with a quick jab. And mm-hmm. she the parents basically find out about this because she, well she confesses to them and they're like, you can't do that. You cannot mm-hmm. you cannot become sort of recognizable to these people as someone different. And then the father 
without mm. having without saying anything to the mother, goes to her, the daughter's apartment later, and he says, "Um, come at me, come at me," and she tries to hit him, and of course he overpowers her easily, mm. puts her against the wall, and almost chokes her out, and he says nothing, puts on his jacket, and leaves. And what he's doing is essentially saying, "This is what you are to other people. Like what I'm, I am to you. How easily I overpowered you." Mm-hmm. And, and could have killed you, that's what you are to other people. So be careful how you use that power. I honestly do think it's important for adolescents at some point to get that lesson. And here's, my, and here's to bring it back to what we're talking about. Here's the problem with the news. The news doesn't, most of our mainstream news, and I think people rarely say this, don't talk about the ways in which people use their power. And demonstrate okay, okay. how people in power use that to make other people or to exploit other people's powerlessness. Political doesn't do that. But what political makes you aware of is mm. how the power gets used. Like, here's mm. how Mitch McConnell's doing this thing. Here's right. the backroom mm-hmm. story of how this person did this thing that's manipulative. But they don't talk about how that kind of application of power actually harms certain sure. people, right? Yeah, sure. That's yeah, the story yeah. I want to be. Now, the problem with democracy now is all democracy now does is talk about that. Like it's democracy, all harm. It's just all harm. It's just like, um, today in the news, uh, these other people were harmed and <laughs> their life chances are dramatically reduced and we're going to talk about how that happened. Like, I can't do that every day. I cannot. I can't even do it. I can't even do it once a week, really. <laughs> But I want it's, that to happen more often. You know what I'm saying? It should not just right, be in one right. channel. I don't yeah. think that people would watch the news if that were it. Yeah. I, I honestly feel like you need to keep people on some sort of um, powerless tip in terms of, you know, just you got to keep them interested in a someone's going to be a savior and change this right. thing right. that's impacting your life. Right. Um what you said, Travis, earlier about this unrefined human nature. <laughs> mm. um, and um, later you said this tremendous feat of the imagination. I think that we really don't know how to be imaginative when it comes to being with each other. Amen. So mm. force mm-hmm. against force, it's just going to get you more force. Right. right? Mm-hmm. I right. think, you know, I think that's the equation. Right. <laughs> and so the lack of imagination around what's possible in terms of us living together, has yet to be realized or rediscovered in past mm. societies. Mm. Because we think war is natural. War is not natural. <laughs> mm. But it has come to be naturalized through the romance of battle or through the romance of this. I mean, there's still people, obviously, in the South that reenact the Civil War, Civil War reenactments. Mm. Why? What is the fucking point? Right. You lost. Right. What is this driving? What is right. this hunger that needs to be sated right. for you to do this kind of thing? Right. So I, I think the the news overall. So, and, oh, mm-hmm. well, I was just going to answer. So what what they're reenacting is it's it's a righteous loss, right? So it's, ah, it it, pl- okay. it plays into it plays into kind of a, a, a Christian ideology, right? I was just about I mean, to say it's like the crucifixion, right? Yeah, that's wow, exactly wow, right. wow, wow, yeah. wow. Yeah. The, no, the noble cause, the, mm. the lost, the lost but noble cause, and so, mm. I mean, talk about a way to cohere a community. So anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Where were you going to say? Something? Mm. No, that's actually very perfect. It led into this other response I had earlier around. So in the film, sighted eyes, feeling hard, the Lorraine Hansberry stuff. There was a woman mm. speaking about Lorraine Hansberry's sensibility, 
He said she was the kind of woman who yesterday thought of this, but then the then the next day she was questioning that. Hmm. And so there's this robust sort of like thinking, thinking things she was doing. And I find that with people that I really respect are constantly questioning their assumptions. Mm-hmm. And we don't do that at all as a culture, as a society. Yeah. And the news and so, doesn't encourage us to do that. Not at all. Not right. at all. No, they're just there to deliver and to be authorities on something that they only half know. Mm. And sometimes barely that, you know. Mm. But, but I, would suge- to, to, I would suggest the New York Times opinion page is trying to do that. Okay. I mean, maybe badly, maybe ineffectively. Mm. And I'm not saying that it is badly or bad or mm. ineffective. I actually don't have a judgment either way on whether it's bad or good. I just know that to me, that does seem to be the gambit on their mm-hmm. part. Like there is, we have badly misread this historical moment and we need to significantly broaden our horizons um, and points of view in order to try and get a better handle on it. Now, that may be a bad strategy, right? If you have, you can't really triangulate from from based on bad positioning. Like if you don't know where you're Mm, at, you can't can't triangulate where you're supposed to be. Which is how you get Ross Douthat and David Brooks, by the way. (laughs) Thank you. I was about to mention David Brooks and his, his, oh my God, Trump is horrible. And the the, the comment section blew up. It was like 2,000 comments where were you he's ridiculous before how did you go on travis i'm sorry i apologize (laughs) yeah no 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 i uh you can't try and yeah you can i mean there's just no there's so i'm not saying it's the right thing to do but i am saying that they do sense that something is amiss um and you know yeah i mean that's all i don't have i don't have a more robust defense it's just that i would read the i would read the 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 effort more generously than you would that's all Okay, that's fair enough. Guys, I have to go soon. So I want to just sort of bring the conversation to a close around on one question. And maybe sure. we can we can answer this quickly. If there is a source or a person that you think is worthwhile listening to, worthwhile paying attention to, who mm-hmm. gives you some sort of news of the day that gives you purchase with this culture, who would that be? Or mm-hmm. what would that be? Mine would not be be a news source. So news source NPR or the BBC are, I think, probably the least politically tented of any of them. Um, As a person, Mm. it would be an academic, Scott Atran, who is uh, a psychological anthropologist um, and uh, studies um, terrorist organizations, studies cultural movements. Those would be my Mm -hmm. two. That would be my list. Cool. Stephen? Wow. I don't have an answer for either. So there's wow. not one person or one source. Okay. Um, and I was trying to figure out why why Travis was talking. <laughs> and no one comes to mind. I'm constantly reading different kinds of people to see how they land. And I'm also reading people who, who may have written books in the early 20th century just to get a sense of um, a better grounding. I need to be more educated mm-hmm. to be a lot more thoughtful about what it is and the positions that I take. So I'm, I'm constantly sort of looking back, I think. Okay. So there's mm-hmm. one person uh, for me. Um, there are probably multiple sources, but there's, um, and I just actually thought of this as you were speaking, Stephen. Um, I just mm-hmm. realized it. And so one person actually is not on the air anymore, and I miss him. Um, because his take was, oh, he always come at things from an oblique and funny angle mm-hmm. and smart, just like insightful, John Stewart. Mm-hmm. 
Daily Show. Mm, okay. That kind mm. of cultural critique, and he smashed everyone, right? So there was no one that mm-hmm. was not subject to his devious knife. Um, uh-huh. uh I, I I loved his take on things. I didn't. I don't think I have seen enough of him or heard enough of him. And I didn't. I, I just didn't have the bandwidth in my life at the time that I became aware of the Daily Show to actually watch it regularly. Mm-hmm. But man, what I should do is just go back and just watch every single episode because mm-hmm. that that is insightful mm. criticism. I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Yeah, great answer. Great answer. Uh, okay, so next time we are talking about veterans in the military, mm-hmm. we uh, we're gonna kind of examine our own prejudices and our own beliefs around uh, military service, um, historically contemporary. Um, Gentlemen, thanks very much for the conversation. Always a pleasure. Indeed. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. 